1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So far in the book of Acts, we've seen Christ ascend to heaven after giving instructions to his apostles. At Pentecost, the promised Holy Spirit descends on the apostles and they declare the gospel so that the people surrounding them each understand despite their language barriers. Further miracles and healings performed through the apostles attest to the message of the gospel. Thousands of people hear of the grace and redemption made possible in Jesus and become followers of Christ. As the book unfolds, the church resiliently shares the gospel and there is unity in the teaching and heart of the followers of Jesus. And now, the continuation of our series through the book of Acts. through the book of Acts, and we are now at Acts chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through verse 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have the Version Bible app, you can open it now. The verses will also be on the screen behind me. In your bulletin, you'll find an outline. You can also find the outline on the Version Bible app. If you'd like to get the Version Bible app, uh, at the end of this service, you can go to the information table and they can give you some information on how you can get that on your phone. The first thing we want to look at is Stephen. Stephen is an example of witnessing for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the first point we want to look at is Stephen is an example of witnessing for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And what we see in Stephen is an example of the power of the Holy Spirit filling a life. Stephen's life was lived out in such a way that it gave witness to the glory of Christ. He's considered the first martyr. And the word we use for martyr comes, actually, from the, from the Greek term, about witness. So he was a witness in his life and in his death to the power of Christ. Now, the first thing I want to say here is we need examples, mentors. True? One of the things that I'm saddened by there's a generation growing up, and many of the folks growing up in this generation haven't connected with a mentor or an example. And uh, I talk to folks, and they say, I would like somebody to help me walk through life. Now, let me say this. If you're looking for an example of how to live out the Christian life, you're never going to find a perfect example, but for Christ himself. True? You're always going to find there's, there's flaws in folks. But we do need to look for examples. Do you have some examples in your life, some mentors in your life, some folks you look to and you say, they really inspire me. I have some folks, we'll talk about uh, one of them at the end of the sermon, a friend of mine who's really encouraged me in my walk with the Lord. I also have historical 
uh, I don't know if we want to call them heroes, but folks I look to. William Wilberforce as he stood against the slave trade. Um, a guy named Charles Simeon who they locked him, they, they locked, people locked the pews up so people when they came to hear, hear him preach at first had to stand in the aisles to hear him. But he persevered and it was greatly used by God. I hope you have some of those examples in your life. And I think there are things we can learn. I know there are things we can learn from Stephen's lives. Second thing I want to look at is Stephen's character and calling. And we talked about this in last week's sermon. You can see that sermon online if you weren't here. But I'd like to refresh our memories a little bit about what we talked about last week by looking back at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now, these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, catch that, of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to list the others who were chosen. Um, a man of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. A couple observations here. Stephen was selected to minister to the widows. may not seem like a glamorous position, but God used it mightily. I love the statement that we should seek to be a blessing, not seek to be successful. And I know, and I know we have to understand how, how those words are being used. Because to be a blessing is to be successful. I think oftentimes we have this view of what it means to be successful. And it's not what God sees as successful. Would you agree? Stephen was selected to minister to the widows, to care for them. Second thing I want us to notice is he was a man of good repute. Within the, the community, the Christian community, he was seen as a man of good reputation. And he was full of wisdom and of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom and the Holy Spirit. We're going to see those connected together in the scripture. The empowering of the Holy Spirit should bring wisdom. And it's important because there have been people who have claimed to be led by the Holy Spirit that have done some pretty stupid things. Would you agree? True? In fact, that's led some people to not even talk about the Holy Spirit. They're kind of afraid. If we talk too much about the Holy Spirit, we might do something stupid. Let me tell you this. If you're filled by the Holy Spirit, you'll act in wisdom, not foolishness. And we see that in the life of Stephen. Now, third, I want to look at Stephen's ministry. So let's look at Acts 6, 8 through 15. And Stephen, full of grace... 
full of grace, the grace of God, knowing that, that he'd received the unmerited favor of God, and it flowed out of his life and how he treated other people. Stephen, full of grace and power. What a combination. What a combination. Full of grace and power was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen was doing things that could not be explained by Stephen's ability. There had to be a power coming through Stephen, and that was the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, this is, this is most likely a group of folks who had been slaves and were now freed, who were in, were in a synagogue. There are some scholars who think it was uh, that these folks were given this name because of the location they came from. It would seem, at least to me, more likely that they were folks who had formerly been slaves and now were, were freed. And of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, See, we're talking about folks from Africa. Alexandria is an area um, in Egypt, and it was an area, a city that was established by Alexander the Great. And in those of Cilicia and, and Asia, so now we're talking more about the modern Turkey area, and Cilicia uh, is interesting because it's a providence in Asia, Asia Minor, and the capital of that providence was Tarsus. And for some of you, that'll, that'll resonate because you remember that Saul was of Tarsus, Saul who became Paul. Who, by the way, we're gonna, we're gonna understand was there at, at uh, uh, Stephen's death. Well, let's continue to read. They rose, they rose up, the next, it says, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit. There you see, the Holy Spirit giving him wisdom to speak, and they couldn't come against what he was saying. Then they secretly instigated men who said. So, so the, even though they can't withstand what he's saying, or, or can't come against it or refute it, they don't convert. They start talking behind his back. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. They can't refute his wisdom. So they secretly start speaking against him. And then they twist what he's saying and distort it, right? Take what's beautiful, the beautiful gospel, and they distort it. And they speak against it. And, and, and when they look at Philip, what do they see? Now, now I want to ask you, if people 
lie about you. If people bring false accusations against you, if people twist your words and misrepresent them, if you, they drag you into court, threatening you with imprisonment, and it's based on false testimony, what, what will you look like when people look at you? Verse 15, and gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Agreed? So let's back up. Let's look at Stephen's ministry. Let's see what it was characterized by. First, he was full of grace and power. Grace and power. That God grant us grace and power. He did great wonders and signs. We're not Stephen. We're not called to the same task that Stephen was called to. But I do believe that God wants to work in us in ways that can only be explained by his presence. True? Don't you see people say, what makes you tick? The only explanation will be something supernatural. The God of the whole universe has forgiven you of, his sin, of your sins through faith in Christ and filled you with his Holy Spirit. And third, he spoke with wisdom that could not be refuted. Now I want to look at Stephen's adversaries, those who came against him. You're looking at your outline, and we're looking at the fourth section. Stephen's adversaries. They spoke behind his back. They spoke behind his back. I think we're a little behind on the slide, if we can go to the next one. Point four. Point A, A under point four. Stephen's adversaries, they spoke behind his back. Hyperbolo, the Greek word, it means putting words in people's mouth by, by basically like false suggestions. B, they lied about him. They did not speak truth. They told lies about what he was saying. They twisted what he was saying. They took a little truth and mixed it with a lot of lies, and they came against him. And then we see they seized him and brought him before the council. And this council had a lot of power. And the last thing we see is that at the council, they brought false witness against him. Now, now the fifth section I want to look at now as we move to the next point is Stephen's witness. What was the witness of Stephen? First, his appearance and nonverbal communication was a witness to the power of Christ. We see that in Acts 6.15. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. I don't know exactly what this was like. Maybe, maybe it was like Moses when he came down from the mountain and the glory of the Lord shone on his face. I'm not sure. We know the face is... Uh, used in scripture, but the, the whole consonants, the whole way that a person looked. I, I don't know, but I know that when they looked at him, the nonverbals and, and the way he looked 
People said it, it was like an angel of God, a messenger of God. Don't you want that? When people are lying about you, they're, they're falsely accusing you, and they look at you, just, just, just the way you look, says, I'm a, I'm a messenger of God, empowered by him. Amen? I'd like to say that none of us are as good of actors as we think we are, right? True? I know a lot of you can relate to this. I can walk into my house, and, and I, can, I can just walk in, and Paige can say, what's wrong? Right? And I can say, well, nothing. And she doesn't believe me. Why? Why? The nonverbals are saying something else. Right? If, if I said to you, I'm not really worried about time, take as much time as you want to tell me what's going on in your life. Really, it's fine. Go ahead, I'm listening. You're thinking what? You don't have time right now. If I said, I'm not angry at you. The reason I bring this out is because our very appearance we want to bring glory to God. Amen? We don't want to be faky and pretentious. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to have that. Amen? You know, this morning I woke up, and I hit snooze, and I went back to sleep, and then I hit snooze again. Anybody else done that? And then I said, i got to get going. i got to look over my sermon notes and everything. I'm going to go down and I'm going to make myself a cup of coffee and I'm going to go over all my, my sermon uh, before I get into church. So I went to the coffee pot and there was no coffee. Oh, somebody forgot to make coffee. So I got the filter out, grinded the beans, and put the coffee in and turned it on and waited. I was looking over my notes, still no coffee in the pot. I'd forgotten something, you know what it was? Water. Anybody else ever done that? You can't make coffee without, you can't make coffee without, you can't make disciples of Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. Can't do it. You can't minister for Christ without the Holy Spirit. Just because there are people who distort teaching about the Holy Spirit doesn't mean we can neglect teaching about the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with His Spirit. Amen? We need the Word of God, and we need the Spirit of God working in us. <clears throat> Stephen was minister to the power of Christ by his very appearance. And the next we're going to see that Stephen, point B, his speech, we'll go back, his speech was a witness to the power of Christ. And we're going to talk about that next week, the story of Stephen, part two, the power to speak truth. And then see his death. His death was a witness to the power of Christ. And we'll talk about that on the 22nd, Lord willing, when we have the sermon on the story of Stephen, part three, the power to face death. For today, the application point that I would like us to take home is this. 
when we are facing persecution, when you are facing persecution, when I'm facing persecution, or we're being lied about, or being mistreated, remember, you and I are messengers of God empowered by His Spirit. We're what? We're messengers of God empowered by His Holy Spirit. Perry Tanksley tells a story about a sheriff. And a sheriff was running, well, for office as sheriff. He wanted to be the sheriff of the county. So he was going to run for office. When some from the organized crime in his city came and met with him and said, we just want you to know a few things. If you're going to be sheriff in this town, you're going to need to look the other way on a few things. And if you're willing to look the other way on a few things, we'll, we'll be able to get you a lot of money under the table, and we'll be able to guarantee you this election. So Perry asked his friend, what did you do? What did you tell him? And he said, I, I told him. I told him I'm a Christian, and you can expect me to act like one and to be a Christian sheriff. What happened? Perry asked. He said, as they left, they threatened that they would destroy my life, that they would slander my reputation, and there was not a chance, not one in a million chance I'd win the election. Perry asked him, so what happened next? He said, they were true to their word. They almost destroyed my family with false accusations, rumors, and lies, and slandered my name. And I lost the election just as they said I would. But then he said this. That defeat was the greatest victory of my life. And the memory of it, a pillow of comfort under my aging head. What was he saying? Why did he find comfort in it? Because he knew that his character couldn't be bought. That there was power that he was receiving from his faith in Christ that the world couldn't understand or take away. That's pretty powerful, right? I want to tell you of a friend of mine and the privilege of having as a roommate before he and I got married. I was just blessed and still blessed to call him friend. He spent his life ministering for Jesus Christ and caring for, for orphans and adopting them into his family and sharing Jesus in places that sharing the name of Jesus can cost you your life. And I was playing basketball long, long before he went, went off on the foreign field to spread the truth of Christ. Playing basketball with him one time in South Minneapolis. And we were doing really well in the game, and, and some folks that we were playing against didn't really appreciate it. And one of the young men just started to push on Kyle and yell at Kyle all kinds of profanity. And then one of the kids from behind pushed, uh, punched Kyle right in the jaw, dropped him. 
to the ground like that. I came running in, trying to calm down the situation. And by the, by the grace of God, no more violence was done. And some kids were telling us that these, these young men were part of a gang and we were being foolish not to run right away because our very lives were being threatened. And as they came over and we got some ice to put on Kyle's jaw and he sat there with that. These young kids are all sitting on the, sitting around, standing around, looking at Kyle, trying to figure out what in the world is with this guy. Kyle said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, I feel bad for those guys. So filled with hate that they can't even enjoy a basketball game. Think about that. It's not what I would have said in that situation. And then he said, we need to pray for them. They really need Jesus. We need to pray for them. They really need Jesus. That day, in that playground, people saw the power of the gospel in Kyle's life. It wasn't the only time I saw Kyle do things like that. I remember being in a store and the clerk was really rude and I was about ready to tell her that she shouldn't treat customers like that when Kyle nudged me with his elbow and said, let's see if we can get her to smile. He just asked her, how's your day going? She grumbled something. Before the conversation was over, he told her he'd prayed for her. And he was encouraging to her. And there was a smile on her face. I want to be more like that. How about you? We live in a world that's not always friendly to the message that we have. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live as God would want us to live. So that when we're facing persecution and being lied about or being mistreated, we can remember that we're messengers of God and that we're empowered by his spirit. If you take your connection card out and you're here today, I'd ask you to fill that connection card out. Perhaps you need to mark that top box and give your life to Jesus. You've, you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord, the boss, and the treasure of your life, the center of your life. You need his forgiveness. You need his spirit to fill you. I encourage you to do that. At the end of the service today, there'll be a prayer team here. If you'd like to talk to them more about your relationship with Christ and have others pray with you, they'd be here. Today, I also wanted to mention and call your attention to the need to pray for the persecuted church around the world. Persecution against Christianity is at a high level in many places of the world, and we need to pray for them. Today, maybe you could make a commitment to say, I'm going to pray for the persecuted church. I'm going to spend some time at our Tuesday, 7 a.m. prayer time praying for the persecuted church. I would covet your prayers to pray with us. I would commit with you together to pray for the persecuted church. Third, pray to have greater faith. Isn't that what we want? To really have big faith in hard moments. If that's what you want, mark the connection card and let's pray together that it happens.
This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening.